0: And we celebrate that together. We celebrate that we are one. Christ has made us one, right? And as we say, he is risen, he is, <laughs> he's got that down. <laughs> then we recognize that's a universal statement that we can, we can all say. We can all recognize, and we can all say together. Well, this past week, there was a, a study that came out, and I saw it in different publications Uh, It was in the Shreveport Times, the New York Times, the LA Times, all the Times had it this past week. And it was about a study that has been done uh, about walking. And the uh, study was not really about the physical aspects of walking in terms of the aerobic activity and the things that it does for your body, because hopefully we all know that that is good for us. Uh, Two weeks ago, I talked about running and how the disciples uh, ran to the tomb. They had a foot race, Peter versus John, and John beats Peter getting to the tomb. But then he lets um, Peter go on into the tomb ahead of him. We talked about that. We talked about how Mary Magdalene was engaged in running when she uh, ran from the tomb to tell the disciples that Jesus' body was no longer there. Uh, so we talked about running, and hopefully all of you are inspired to go run after that, right? Uh, I wasn't. Uh, as I said, I was, I'm retired from running. But the uh, walking aspect of it is something hopefully we can all do. But this particular study was talking about how walking is beneficial to sparking your creativity and imagination. That walking is vital for problem-solving. So it goes beyond just getting out and getting some good exercise. We need to walk for our creativity. So how is your creativity level these days? Do you feel like you're pretty creative? Do you feel like you are able to work through problems and solve things that maybe you've been working on um, in your, your brain for a little while, but you haven't really ventured into that imaginative part of what's out there? Well, uh, walking definitely does something good for us in that area. And uh, I ran across a Wendell Berry quote from this um, past week. and He says, there comes a longing never to travel again except on foot. There comes for us this longing that we have deep down inside of us to just walk. Maybe if you've been in traffic and you've just been bumper to bumper, uh, which I think only happens on Urie Drive on like a Friday afternoon, uh, or Airline Drive if we're going north at any particular time, it's always busy. But maybe just you get weary of driving and you don't really get to talk to people. You pass people in lanes of traffic or maybe if you're riding the bus, you just sit there, you don't really talk to one another. There's no sense of traveling along and engaging people in conversation. And the problem that we have in our society, some say, is that we don't walk enough and we don't engage in conversation. It is uh, purposeless walking. And we realize that there is something to walking. Uh, There's a, a picture of Einstein here. And Einstein loved to walk. He usually had a pipe in his mouth as he's out walking. And we know that if Einstein benefited from walking, uh, I mean, that's how he figured out the theory of relativity, right? He got all these great ideas as he was out walking. The same thing is true about Beethoven. The same thing is true about Tchaikovsky. Uh, The same thing is true about um, Jeff Bezos of, of Amazon. The list just goes on and on about people who are able to find something deeper, especially within their imagination as they're out walking. Well, this morning in our gospel text, we find two walkers, two different people who are walking along and discover something that that went way beyond the aerobic benefits that were coming to them from walking. They were walking along and experienced Christ as they're headed down the road to Emmaus. Now, Emmaus is a city, as Luke tells us here in his Gospel, it's a city about seven miles from Jerusalem. So they're, they're out on a seven-mile walk. And the idea for them is that they're wanting to get as far away from Jerusalem as possible. So seven miles would get them far down the road in their society and their world. It would get them uh, some distance from all of the chaos that's been going on in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. So what's been going on in Jerusalem? Well, just right before this, Jesus, this one that they loved, this teacher that they had listened to, this rabbi that they had walked along beside of for years has been crucified. And and it wasn't just a typical crucifixion. It wasn't just something that happened to other common criminals of their time. I mean, they were used to seeing crucifixions. Anytime they would enter into uh, a city, especially Jerusalem, they would see people crucified on the outskirts of the city. They would see that the Roman government meant business, that they were cruel and harsh, and if you broke their law, they would put you on a cross so that everybody could see you and it would be a deterrent to crime. But this Jesus, this friend of theirs, this Lord and this One they would come to know as Messiah, just a week before had been cheered and they had taken palm branches and laid them out before Jesus as He rode into town on that donkey. And as they celebrated all that God was doing for them and Jesus, at the end of that week, they saw Jesus taken away beaten, and this crown of thorns placed on his head and pushed down so that blood would begin to rush down his face. They would hear people yell things at Jesus. They would see people spit in the face of Jesus, taunting him. And then they would see this Jesus crucified. And as people began to wonder what was going on after Jesus had been placed in the tomb, there was all of this talk that the disciples began to hear. First, it came from Mary Magdalene, who as she ran from the tomb and was declaring that it was empty, And probably all of these thoughts about someone stealing his body or maybe it wasn't enough to crucify him that Pilate wanted to make sure that his body was removed and hidden away so that the disciples could never get to it and never be able to say that Jesus was a martyr. Something was going on. Their hearts were grieving because they saw this death, this horrific death of a loved one. But they're also worried for their own lives. People are running. They already knew that Peter, who had claimed to be the best friend of Jesus, Peter has denied Jesus. And so they were they were torn up about that as well. But they realized that Roman officials were coming after them. And so they decided to get out of the city. And they start walking. Now I think it's interesting to notice that they are walking together. If you do a study in Scripture, you'll, you'll see that there are a lot of different... Uh, pairings of people. I mean, you go back and you look at the story of Noah, and he calls the animals out, what? Just like the song says, two by two, right? Uh, One of each, and he calls them to, uh, to go to the ark. And if you look throughout the Old Testament, you look throughout the New Testament, you'll see a lot of walking that's done two by two. Jesus calls the disciples to go out into the cities and into the different villages around, and he says, go with someone else. Take take a partner with you. Go two by two. And it wasn't just for security. It wasn't just so that they could be a witness for the other in case something happened. It was so that they could have this sense of fellowship. That faith is about being in community. Faith is about having a friend. Some of the words that Luke uses here as he Uh, picks up on the conversation, and as he begins to report here, and if you look down towards the middle of the passage here, uh, as they are there, standing still, looking sad, one of them, whose name was Cleopas answered him. He says, look, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place in these past days? I mean, where have you been? What planet Have you been on? And they didn't recognize that it was Jesus. They didn't understand. And we get the idea that Jesus didn't really fully disclose Himself to them at that time. Or we get the sense that they were so in grief, they never imagined that this Jesus that was hung on the cross would actually be there walking with them outside of Jerusalem. Whatever it is, we see that they are grieved and their hearts are full of sorrow. They are looking sad. Think back in your life to a point of time when a loved one died. You, maybe you just received the word that such and such is dead. Or maybe uh, it was that look of grief and shock that comes over you when you don't really know how to process it. But you're just standing there kind of looking off in the distance and sad. That's how they were. They replied, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and uh, all, the, all of these uh, things that were going on that he was doing. He says how, how our chief priests and the leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. But we had hoped. That's that past tense verbiage that they're using here about something that they had hoped for in the past that was no longer present with them in their current reality. We had put a lot of hope in Him. But now it's just sad. Now we're disappointed. This Jesus didn't turn out to be who we thought He was because He is now dead. So they are talking about these things. They're working through these things as they walk together. Now I think it's good for us to have a partner in faith too. Isn't it? Isn't it good to have somebody that you can walk with How many of you get up every morning and walk? Okay, only one person. Two people that are quite honest here today. How many of you don't get up and walk in the morning? Everybody else, okay. How many of you walk at some point during the day? Okay, so most of us do a little bit of walking. And it's important for us to find someone, as we think about it spiritually, someone to walk with. Now this someone may be someone in your family. Maybe there's someone that you can talk to about spiritual things. Do you have that someone? Maybe it's someone that you've been friends with for a long time. Maybe it's someone that you just met. Maybe it's someone you met right here at Church for the Highlands or in Sunday school. Or maybe it's someone that you serve with on a missional team. But someone that you walk with. And when you're walking along, you realize that you're both in the same predicament. You're both trying to figure out things that are going on in your life. You're trying to understand your grief or your sorrow or your frustration. These days we do it by texting, right? You're, you're walking along, and maybe you're physically walking along, and you're still texting with one another. You're, you're communicating in some way about the things that are going on in your life. Well, that's what God wants us to have. He wants us to experience His reality as we walk together. And so it's important for us to do that. I hope that as you're continuing on in this uh, emphasis on Easter and resurrection, that you're finding somebody to talk to as you walk along, along the journey of life. But it's not just about walking, it's about talking and about hearing. And that's what these uh, guys are doing as they're walking down the road. They're walking along and this stranger comes along beside them. And we see their hospitality that's here. We probably would have run off Jesus, wouldn't we? Not realizing that it was actually Jesus, but we're walking along and we're talking with a friend and we get to that point uh, where we don't really want someone else barging in on our business and our conversation. And so we would just look to that person and, and probably give them that look, you know, keep on walking and move away from me. But they don't do that. They, they include this person into that conversation, even though this particular person, this stranger, seems to have no idea about what's taken place. And so they tell him. They bear witness about the things that have happened there with Jesus And so Jesus puts up with this. He walks along with them. I'm sure that He is smiling. They're probably a little bit ahead of Him. And think back. I mean, every time Jesus led His disciples, He was ahead of them, as any good teacher would be. That's the style of teaching they would have. As they were going from one city to the next, they would be walking together, and Jesus would be turning to them and having conversation with them about a particular spiritual matter as they were going along, and Jesus would do this with them. This time, I think, Jesus was behind them. Jesus was smiling, thinking, they just have no idea. And so as they give their version of what took place, Jesus said to them, oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. And I think Jesus is just messing with them here. He's just trying to get at them a little bit. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into His glory? And then beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them the things about Himself in all Scriptures. So they're still a little confused about who this guy is with them. And Jesus, as He teaches them, He is opening up for them more of the truth and the reality of the Gospels. I love the way that N.T. Wright uh, on the video earlier put it. N.T. Wright is or was the Bishop of Durham and just a tremendous teacher, especially as he talked about uh, the Pauline writings and, and the emphasis on what Paul has said about Christ. But he directs our attention back to the Gospels. Looking at Jesus in the Gospels. Well, here is Jesus helping the disciples. These two men who are walking to Emmaus to get away from all of their problems, He is interpreting for them what the Gospels were all about. I mean, what the Gospel was all about in terms of what Jesus had taught about Himself and what He had taught about Moses and the prophets. How He was fulfilling all of that. Jesus walks along with us, doesn't He? I don't know if you've ever recognized that in your life. We've had some great testimonies here this morning. And if we took the time in the service and just said, when did you first meet Jesus? We'd have some great stories, wouldn't we? I mean, wouldn't you? Don't you have a good story about meeting Jesus on some road? For for uh, Saul, it was on the road to Damascus as he was blinded by the light of Christ. For you, maybe it was in a Sunday school room when you were seven years old. Maybe it was at a church camp when you were in high school. Maybe it was at at that point when you were in AA and you began to think about what God meant to you or what this higher power was all about and how that began to intersect with where you were right in the midst of your life. Maybe it was in seeing Christ in your mother or your grandmother or your father or someone else. But we all have that point in our lives when we we come to that realization that Jesus is walking with us. That we need not push Jesus away. But as we walk along, we can listen. And we can hear. That we experience the reality of Jesus as Jesus speaks to us. And as we hear. It could be that you hear Jesus best by the stranger that you do entertain. Now, we don't like strangers, do we? In our culture, we are told not to entertain strangers, and probably for good reason, right? If, if someone comes to your house in the middle of the night, knocks on the door, what do you do? After you get out your, uh, your pistol or your shotgun and go to the door, what do you do then? Okay, that's the right answer. You put down your weapon and tell them about Jesus. But Robert is more brave than we are. Someone comes to you out in the parking lot today after Cinco de Mayo. And they ask you a question. Or they ask you for something that they might need. Or maybe they do just ask you more about your faith. (laughs) Send them to me, okay? But we need to understand that the people that God puts in our pathway, He does so for a reason. At, At times there are things that we need to say to them. There are things that we need to do for them. We need to be more hospitable to the people around us because those people very well may be Jesus in our midst. We need to listen to people who are different than we are. We are a very diverse church. Right? Would you say amen to that? Look around you today. We are extremely diverse, and we love that. We celebrate that. We need to be even more diverse. We're celebrating Cinco de Mayo, but not a one of us understands what that's all about. Right? And I don't see that anyone represents that culturally here today as well. And so we need to be more diverse, because we'll be better when we're more diverse. But we need to entertain other people around us, the guests, the strangers, realizing that really no one is a stranger. We are all made as children of God. We are all made in the image of God. And what you have in you, I need in me. I need to understand who you are so that I can better understand who I am. And that's what was taking place here with Cleopas and his friend and Jesus and I know Jesus was smiling. He had something he wanted for them to understand. And so it's not just about walking and talking. It's about this breaking of bread that was taking place. This is what Jesus was doing with the disciples as he went there that particular day. As they're walking along the two